Uh, it's a joy to be with you all uh, this morning. I just returned from our uh, denomination's General Assembly and was recently ordained, so it's been a whirlwind of me learning lots of new things. And um, But yeah, it's good to be with you all here back in Charleston. Um, as uh, Ron said, my name is Jacob Lee. I'm a campus minister with Reform University Fellowship um, at the College of Charleston um, downtown. And uh, I didn't bring them with me today, but uh, my wife, Allison, uh, we have three children, Hewitt, Annie Drew, and Salem, and I was... Uh, chastised by the nursery workers for not bringing them so they couldn't play with them. So next time I'll be sure to make sure they come with me. Um, But yeah, so RUF is the campus ministry of uh, this denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America. Um, It sends ordained ministers to the college campus um, to reach students for Christ and equip them to serve in his church. And so um, it's my joy to be able to do that here, to be um, essentially an assistant pastor of you all, of each church in this presbytery downtown at the College of Charleston. And so I'm glad to get to do that work and to get to come visit you all uh, from time to time as well. Uh, This morning, we are going to be learning from Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 24 to 27. Um, And uh, I'm going to read our passage first, um, and then um, I'll tell you a little bit about where we are in this book. So Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. This is God's word. It's absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for um, these parables um, that we find in your word that uh, tell us truths about you, Um, Lord, by way of analogy, by way of comparison, Lord. And I pray that um, this morning um, that uh, this would be clear, that your message for us from this passage would be clear. And, uh, Lord, that you would let all um, uh, confusion um, fade away, Lord, especially if it comes from my lips, um, but that your word, um, your gospel would be more and more clear to us this morning um, through the teaching of it. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, So over the past few years, uh, like maybe many of y'all, I've acquired a new hobby. Um, Some of you guys may have taken up bread baking or, uh, I don't know, whatever people did during the pandemic, you kind of acquired new hobbies and did new things because you were stuck at home a lot. And so one of the things that I started doing was woodworking. So I've recently enjoyed uh, doing that as kind of my hobby, Um, and I'm learning a lot. Uh, it will probably come to no surprise of you uh, that I did this in a free uh, apprenticeship program uh, under the guidance of YouTube. Um, you can learn lots and lots of things on YouTube. Maybe some of you all have seen this as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, when you're doing woodworking, there's lots of different factors that you need to take into account when you are doing a project. Um, you take into account the species of wood. There's lots of different kinds of woods out there. Some are hard, some are soft. Uh, you can also take into account the thickness of the board. Sometimes you can use, you know, kind of your standard one by or standard two by. There's lots of different thicknesses you can use. 
Um, and then you can, you can take into account the finish that you're going to put on it. Are you going to paint it? Are you going to um, put a stain on it? Are you just going to seal it? Are you going to use oil, water-based, all the different um, finishes that you can use? But one of the most essential parts um, that you need to take into account when you're doing woodworking, when you're planning um, a piece that you're going to make, is joinery. How are you going to connect everything together? What's going to hold it together and give it strength? Um, and again, there's a variety of options. You could use screws. You could use nails. You could use dowels. You could use bolts. Um, and uh, a, lot of the, a lot of it depends on what the piece is for. Is it going to be inside or outside? Um, do you want to see the screws? Uh, do you not want to see the screws? Um, and so uh, I would imagine a lot of you have probably sat in a piece, a chair, or been at a table that is you know, kind of wobbly. The chair is wobbly. Clear, it's clearly that it's clear that something wasn't right with how they put it together initially. Um, and the problem is the joinery. Uh, one of the most essential tools to use in joinery is glue. Maybe some of you all know this. Maybe some of you are woodworkers yourselves. Um, but if you want to make a solid piece of furniture, uh, you have to use wood glue. Because uh, glue is really, really strong. Fun fact, again, maybe some of you all know this, but Fun fact, glue is actually stronger than wood. Wood glue is actually stronger than wood. They've done these experiments where they've joined two boards together by glue, and then they break it, you know, like karate chop it or something. And it actually, the, the wood breaks uh, at the wood, not at the glue joint itself, because the glue uh, in most applications is actually stronger than the wood itself. In our passage this morning, Jesus tells us this parable about something that we must make central to our existence, something that will hold our fragile, weak lives together, something that is stronger, like glue, than our very selves. The problem that we see in our passage is that we don't base our lives on something that is stronger than we are. We're quick to slap the furniture of our lives together, like Ikea furniture, um, and we're not ensuring that we have strong joints that will stand the test of time. In the terms of our passage, we fail to do God's words that he has given to us. Whether it's out of convenience, whether it's out of direct rebellion or other reasons, we hear God's words and we do not do them. Our text tells us this, God gives us his authoritative words through Jesus, and so we must do them. This morning, we're going to consider two different kinds of people. You should have an outline in your bulletin in front of you. Um, the one who does not do these words and the one who does these words. The one who does not do these words and the one who does these words. So first, the one who does not do these words from verses 26 to 27. Before we uh, dive into it, I want to give you a brief word on where we are in this text. I know I'm kind of parachuting in. You all haven't been in Matthew, or maybe you have, I don't know, but um, you're probably not at this particular part. So Matthew 7, um, if, you're, if you have your Bibles open, you can see that it's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, one of Jesus' most famous teachings um, from the Gospels. Our passage this morning comes at the end of what some call Jesus' commentary on the Ten Commandments. So the, the verses leading up to this, um, Jesus is talking about um, God's law and how to follow it. Uh, so... When Jesus says these words, when he, in our passage, says these words, he's referring to the whole sermon that he just gave um, on the Sermon on the Mount. And so it's, it's referring to the whole sermon, but more specifically, uh, what it looks like to follow God's law in light of Christ, 
today. Um, so I'm going to read these words again as we consider uh, the man who built his house on the sandy foundation, verses 26 to 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus says pretty clearly that if you build your house on sand, that when the storms of life come, the house will collapse, and great will be the fall of it. And it's really ironic that in our own efforts, in our own desire to make ourselves great, to bring glory to ourselves, uh, to trust in our own wisdom, that the only great thing, when we're trying to make ourselves great, the only great thing that's going to happen from that is a great fall. That's what we see in verses 27, a great fall. And I think if we are honest with ourselves, we all have our own ways of building our own houses, our own kind of metaphorical houses on uh, sandy ground. Some of us maybe place really great confidence in our friends. We think that if we're surrounded by the right people, if we're in the right crowd, um, maybe if you're in high school or middle school, if you find the right group of people to play with or to um, hang out with, Um, And if we're older, you know, the right social groups, the right country clubs, the right um, affinity groups, uh, that if we find the right people, we'll be okay. Others of us uh, place a big, strong emphasis on our families, which is right and good, but um, if we can place too strong of an emphasis on it, um, if we have the right family, if if our family looks the right way, if our children go to the right schools, um, if um, if our family is right, then we'll be right. Others of us do this with belonging, that we just want to find a place to belong. Um, And that can be in a number of places. Some of us build uh, a sandy, our houses on a sandy foundation as it relates to money. Uh, Either if we have it now and we trust in it, or if we, we know that when we get it, when we get enough money that everything will be okay. And one more place is uh, in excellence or success. If we can get the right job, if we can get the right promotion, um, if we can have the right employees working under us, then that's when we'll be secure. That's when we'll be okay. Um, There's kind of an opposite reaction to that, um, which is that we can escape. We can try to numb and escape. uh, And and, uh, instead of finding our our confidence in, in those things, we just kind of numb and escape and say, if I can just not feel, not think about these things, then it will be okay. Jesus is telling us this uh, morning that unless we put our foundation in him and in his teachings, we are building in vain. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And this same reality is actually true in our passage this morning. Unless we build on the Lord, unless we put our trust in Jesus, Our foundation can wash away as quickly as a child's drawing in the sand on the beach. Uh, I wonder if any of you have seen the new uh, Disney movie Encanto. Maybe those of you with young children have seen it or heard about it. Um, I I just want to highly recommend it to you. It's really great. It's really wonderful. My children love it, and I think I might actually love it more than they do. Um, But uh, in this story, there is a house at the center of the story. And um, it's kind of, you know, there's lots to it, but uh, there's a family that lives in this house, and this house has this really uh, central place in the story, kind of, um, it's, it's really what the whole story revolves around. 
And um, there's, there was this grandmother who, um, she was in kind of a time of need, and this house kind of sprung up out of nowhere. It's magical, and it kind of, it, it kind of talks to them. It tells them what to do, um, and uh, it provides protection for them. But uh, throughout the course of the, of the movie, you begin to see that something is wrong with the house. Uh, something is going on uh, that should not be. And uh, one way that you see this is that these cracks begin to spring up throughout the house um, in kind of these pivotal moments. The cracks will kind of, um, I don't know, crack. They kind of uh, come up on the ground or on the walls, and uh, it shows that there's something wrong. And uh, the problem with this family, with the way that they go about dealing with these cracks, is that uh, they're really, really good at making the cracks disappear. They plaster over them. They cover them up. There's actually a character who lives in the walls and repairs the cracks. And uh, the, the problem with that is that they treat the cracks as if they're the problem, um, and they just cover them up or repair them. But as we consider our own lives, um, I think we would do well not to plaster over the cracks uh, that we see in our own lives, not to push them down or to the side as they spring up. And it's my proposal to you that in order to know which kind of house that we're building, whether it's a house on sandy ground or a house on the firm foundation, that we actually have to see these cracks and we actually have to deal with them. Um, We have to be open about the ways we are struggling, about the things that disturb us, the ways our lives don't line up with what we actually claim we believe. It's my hope for you that this church, um, that your community can be a place where you're honest about the cracks in your own lives where you begin to learn to heal and to place your life completely on Jesus. Now our second point, um, the one who does these words, uh, I'm going to read again just to refresh, verses 24 to 25. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Uh, This may be obvious to you, uh, but one of the most foundational parts of a house is the foundation. I know that maybe is uh, a tautology, but um, I just, we just purchased a house about a year ago and hadn't thought much about foundations of houses, but likely many of you have thought about that as well if you've uh, bought a house or sold a house. Um, But of course it's true, right? The foundation of the house is foundational to the house. It is one of the most important parts of the house which is why the word foundation actually has multiple meanings. Two meanings in particular, the physical part of the house that bears the load, the weight of the house and supports it, but also um, the a basis um, or a principle that undergirds something else, right? As we talk about the foundation of the matter or um, the foundation, it's kind of a metaphorical way of saying something that undergirds something else. Uh, as we live on the coast here uh, in the Atlantic, on the Atlantic and in the midst of all this water, the rivers, you guys know all about this, um, that this passage actually hits kind of close to home to us. Many of us maybe have been afraid of hurricanes or flooding, and you've thought about your house, your foundation, and what would happen if the winds and the rain came and beat on your house. Um, and because of this, there's lots of houses in this area, or many houses in this area, maybe some of you all, you all live in houses like this, um, where the house has actually built a whole story up off of the ground. Um, if you've been to the beach, you've probably seen houses that follow this structure. Um, and, of course, it's because there's a serious risk of flooding, of hurricanes, of those things in this area. 
And I want to ask you, if, if you uh, imagine that you had unlimited funds and you were going to live in Charleston, and um, I want to ask you if you'd be the kind of person who would uh, build their house, uh, just you know, imagine with me for a moment, that you would build your house in a place that, doesn't have, that isn't a part of a flood zone. Uh, if you would build your house on these concrete supports, uh, you know, or would you be the kind of person that decides to you know, build in a really area that floods regularly and has you know, a tiny little crawl space underneath the house? Um, of course, there are merits to both of those kinds of houses. Uh, some of them are historic downtown. But it, you know, imagine for me a world where you got to choose which kind of house you'd build. Um, and the goal was for the house to stand for years and years. I think it's pretty obvious which kind of house we would build. Uh, in verses 24 and 26 of our passage, Jesus speaks about the concept of hearing and doing his words. And um, I want to speak to you for a moment about my children. Um, hearing and doing uh, is, uh, when you have children, is inextricably linked. Um, when you tell your child something, when, you, when they hear you, it's imperative if you're t- telling them to do something, that they do what you told them to do. In fact, uh, I, can't, I can't think of many times where I've been angrier with my children than when I've told them to do something and they haven't obeyed or they have done the opposite. Because sometimes uh, it really is a life or death matter, right? No, stop, don't ride your bike into the road. Or no, stop, don't push your brother down the stairs, whatever it might be. Um, not that that's happened in my home. Um, no comment on that. Um, but, you know, I get so angry sometimes that I actually need to turn and repent to my son because, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a, um, a point of big contention. And maybe you all can relate to this when someone doesn't listen to what you say. Um, if you've watched college sports, um, oftentimes there's kind of the, the shot, the, the prototypical shot in, of, the, of, the, of the, let's say, college basketball where the coach is on the sidelines and he's screaming, he's yelling, maybe he's throwing a chair, um, and he's yelling at his team uh, and the, he, you know, he ends up taking a timeout and getting him around and berating them. Maybe sometimes you've even heard, you know, when he has the microphone that you can hear what he says. But uh, the question is, why is the coach so angry? Why is he so livid with his players? And the reason is, uh, oftentimes, the players actually didn't follow the game plan. Um, he had told them before the game, you know, you gotta, if, if this guy, if you're guarding this guy, you gotta make sure you, you know, blah, 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 blah. I won't get into the weeds with you. Um, but, um, he has this game plan and he gets so angry because the players aren't following the game plan. They aren't hearing the words that he said, that he said to them and doing them. And Jesus is convey, conveying a similar sentiment here in our passage. Life with him, faithful participation in his kingdom actually looks like hearing what he commands, and doing it. Um, I was talking with my son last night about obedience. Um, just happened to be the prayer card that we were going through. It wasn't, you know, I, I didn't make them all say obedience, okay? It was just the one that was for last night. Um, but uh, we were talking about uh, what it looks like to obey and who we are to obey. And he had all these questions like, what about this dad? What about this this parent? What about this babysitter? And, you know, the answer was almost always, yes, you need to listen to the person who is in, in, in um, who is giving you commands, who is, um, who is looking out for you. Um, of course, uh, so we need to, life with Jesus looks like hearing what he says and doing it. And of course, we need to acknowledge that none of us are doing this under our own power. And if we were, we would most surely fail. 
But it's only through the promise of Jesus, only through his provision and power that we're able to follow his commands. Some of you might be asking, what does following his commands look like? How practically should I expect my life to change? What does doing God's commands entail? And I want to answer that by way of saying what it won't look like. Um, what Jesus' promises in, our, in this passage is something very ordinary. He says that if you hold him as your foundation, that uh, your house will stand. That's it. It's, the house is going to stand. He doesn't tell them that your house will triple in value over the next couple years. He doesn't tell them that your house will glow in the dark or that it will miraculously expand into this mansion. Um, the house will do what it is intended to do. Often when we think about what it might look like to follow Jesus, maybe some of you um, are considering that yourself. Uh, we think that it will be that following Jesus will, our life will uh, be this miraculous transformation that will experience this um, validation uh, for our decision. And our passage this morning does not promise that. Uh, to be clear, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying this won't happen to you because sometimes it does. Sometimes you have these miraculous transformations in your life. What I am saying is that this passage simply promises that if you hear Jesus' words and do them, that you, will stand, that you will stand. The house does what it is intended to do. It stands. Um, one other note, this passage doesn't promise that you won't experience trouble and trials in your life. In fact, you could argue that it actually promises the opposite. Jesus seems to declare that the wind, floods, and rain will come. Jesus does not promise protection from troubles, but rather protection in them. Jesus does not promise protection from troubles, but rather protection in them. Eastbridge, I know as a church that you all are experiencing uh, what some would call a difficult season. Uh, with all that has happened with Ron and his family, um, with being left without a pastor earlier than you all expected. Um, I'd imagine that some others of you are also experiencing uh, a difficult season in your lives, just personally. Uh, I've heard about some, some sickness, some surgery. Um, and I wish I could tell you that those hard seasons are over, uh, that they won't, or that even that they won't happen again in your lives. But the Bible doesn't actually teach that. In fact, Following Jesus often looks like the opposite. Sometimes being, even being human looks like the opposite. But following Jesus promises that he will protect you in those storms, that you will be proved strong and faithful because of his strength and faithfulness. Another way of putting this concept is this. The rock is there. Will you build on it? Will you base your life on Christ and on what he has done for you? Or will you base your life on something else? Will you trust God's promise in Jesus that he will be with us? So I think there are two ways to receive this passage. Some of us, when we hear a warning from the Bible, are quick to think that it doesn't apply to us. We say, oh, this is for those other kinds of people. This is for non-Christians, or this is for people who don't get it like, like I do, like we do. I have my house on the rock. Others of us are quicker to say, oh no, this really is me. This really is describing me. I knew it all along that I was this fraud, that, uh, that I'm the one who has built my house on the sand. I always knew there was something wrong with me. I've just been waiting to be found out. 
even in myself, and maybe you all can relate to this, even in myself, I kind of go between these two different reactions. Um, And this passage actually has something to say to both of us. This text is a true warning to evaluate your life and consider if you are building your house on the rock or the sand. It's not meant to kind of puff you up and to say, good job, you know, all you people out there that are building your house on the rock. But it's actually meant for us to slow down and to contemplate and ensure that we are following the right path, that we haven't compromised the integrity of our house by building on a shifting foundation. But at the same time, uh, this passage is also a promise of a provision from Christ. We cannot do the words of Christ out of our own power, but only through his power. Jesus does not give us this heavy burden, but rather he gives us himself and he calls us to place our lives on his strong foundation. No matter what comes in this life, no matter the struggles that you go through, whether they're physical, mental, emotional, God promises that we will be standing at the end of the day. This foundation is stronger and more reliable than anything else you will find in this life. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're, like I, like I said, you're considering the claims of Christianity. And I want you to see this as an invitation. Um, will you place yourself in Christ's sure hands? Can you trust that he will keep you, that he will hold you? Will you sit under this teacher and practice what he has for us? Christ is the great teacher, and his teachings contain life. Will you hear his words and do them? As we close, I'm going to read this prayer um, for us, so pray with me. Almighty God, give us grace not to be hearers only, but doers of thy holy word, not only to admire, but to obey thy doctrine, not only to profess, but to practice thy religion, not only to love, but to live thy gospel. So grant that what we learn of thy glory, we may receive into our hearts and show forth in our lives through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.